Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 425 on Tuesday, the 14th of September, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be asking how safe is safe. We hope that Porsche's move isn't a quantum of solace for e-fuel proponents. And we find out how much Beaujolais was consumed in our and finally. But first, we go into new news. And I think unless you lived under a rock, you've heard this. But the government is going to streamline the testing for trailers over a certain size and HTV tests because that's the way they've decided to combat the driver shortage. Right. Can I just start off, start this? Mm-hmm. So this is I'm I'm going to beat Andrew started and introduced it. I'm basically going to rant for a little while now. So we're going to start off with the use of the word streamline, which should be in inverted commas. If you didn't get that from Andrew's intonation, it is in the Yes Auto story that'll be linked in the show notes. Um and and, and it, it should definitely have been emphasized just there. Should we hit what the big changes are? The first significant change is that for those of us who passed our car driving test after the 1st of January 1997, will be able, at some as yet unspecified date, which will be after the 20th of September, because that's when they're stopping doing car and trailer driving tests, will be able to tow a trailer up to three and a half tonnes with whichever vehicle it is, either up to, either a th- with a, a vehicle up to three and a half tons, isn't it? Yeah. So that would mean a maximum authorized mass of seven tons combined. That's quite a lot. It is quite a lot, yes. The thing is that all of this is to help combat the H- HGV shortage, but I don't really see that this is going to do a lot to do that, unless you want more people uh, with their probably slightly overweight seven and a half, uh, three and a half tonner, with a car on the back towing a towing a trailer with uh, a car on the back. Mm. That's as much as I can see that that will help. We don't really do a lot of delivery of stuff with trailers, smallish vehicles with trailers. So no. pickup and trailer, van and trailer, that kind of stuff would be as big as you'd go there. It's not going to really make much difference. There are practically no seven and a half ton trucks around anymore. The reason being that the changes for people whose licenses were issued from the 1st of January 1997, uh, which stopped you being able to drive a vehicle of greater than three and a half tons maximum authorized mass, killed in one fell swoop the seven and a half ton truck market. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. So even changing the licenses is fine, but people aren't going to be able to go out and just buy thousands upon thousands of seven and a half ton trucks. Which leaves the HGV side of it, or large goods vehicle side of it. It looks like they're going to combine what was C plus E, or C license. Oh, God, I hope I've got this right. I should have brought my own license. I've got it here. Uh, just to double check what these are. Plus E being a trailer, of course. We'll get there eventually, folks. This is slick, Andrew. Slick. Yeah, I was right. C plus E and the C truck license so c is your stand is your rigids c plus e is your articulated trucks they're going to combine those into one single test so you don't have to take two tests from now on you only pay for one test you only do one now i've done admittedly some time ago 2004 uh the i've done the 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 c test so so for rigids and i know that it has not prepared me Possibly it's because I don't drive trucks that often, but it has not prepared me for driving 44 tons 
of bendy towards the front or even bendy in the middle truck no there was a reason we have the two we had yeah the two tests there was yeah. a, there was a distinct and real safety reason why there was two mm. tests so to remove one part of that safetyness sorry yes. no finish actually what else they've removed before we get oh, into the well the next part of that because it does very much come into safetyness is that obviously lots and lots of these trucks the idea is is that they're for moving stuff between warehouses and distribution centers because those are the pinch points in our in our supply chain right at the minute so what they're removing are the as part of those tests to streamline them and make them make them shorter make them make them easier and, and take less time is they're removing the reversing element of it and the trailer unhitching and rehitching part of it now those are very very important i was i was going to ask you did, does that ever happen that anyone ever needs to reverse a lorry or actually hitch a trailer to it particularly if it's articulated the hitching less than the reversing but yeah the reversing is important and also just making sure that your truck you know how to do it now they're going to say that you're going to be tested separately i don't really know who by i don't know if this is going to be foisted onto the employers as part of your sort of certificate of professional competency and your ongoing training, I can imagine that that's what's going to happen. But nobody's talked about that yet. Does that not actually get punted to the business owner as a duty of care? That oh, probably. Their person could they cover it that way. That the person using this tool has been taught how to use this tool yeah. properly. Type thing. Basically, yeah, that's what I can see happening. So making sure that you do actually hitch up the appropriate lines, making sure that you that you are competent enough to reverse in and under and make sure the pin ends up on the fifth wheel, making sure that the pin uh, and that making sure that the fifth wheel uh, sort of closure is is securely in place. And, and if you don't know how that works, by the way, and if that and if you're found to have that in a defective manner, then you will be hit with a fine by Vosa and you will have, you know, there will end up being a knock-on effect from that. And it'll probably end up, I'm just one of those things that I'm sure will get marked down and sent up to the traffic commissioner, which is always a fun day out. <laughs> just a little point on you were asking about what was the reason for dropping the trailer uh, for car drivers, the, tra the, the large trailer test. Mm. Um, the Department for Transport claims they feel that a further 30,000 more HGV tests will now be freed up because of this. Yeah, I, I can... The thing is, the the trailer one has always been a, been a bit odd. I think it's one of those... It's one of those things that has always been an inconvenience in rural areas, but for the vast, vast majority of people, uh, hasn't really been much of an issue. Mm. It's not really to do with caravans. To be... Well, it's useful to do with caravans just to make sure people are educated in God, our yes. caravan. In, in you know, not I, so much. I in, think you not, could build a, a layby on the M5 and just pull every caravan over and yeah. go. Can we show you this short video, please? Because <laughs> you have not understood it. Yeah, if you are interested in that kind of thing, do go and learn about the importance of of load distribution. Uh, within a trailer of nose weights of all of these kind of things of making sure that things are securely tied down all those common sense things that people have been spouting out since this news came out and said oh you just need to use common sense really okay and you know what you do if it starts weaving and stuff now i uh, i've probably done more towing than i should have done because i didn't realize that this had been removed from the license for quite a while um <laughs> 
for me, I'm not too worried about it. I, I feel that it, whenever I discovered that, I felt that the fact I'd been teaching myself how to reverse trailers from a depressingly young age using garden tractors, and then full-size tractors even, was these skills were being wasted and will have atrophied. Mm. But I, I fear this is, the, well, this is um, feeds into <laughs> what we were saying the other week about our fear when we heard this being mentioned as well as trying to speed up, streamline, get around whatever it is they're choosing to think about with the government with the health mm. checks as well, is the whole, oh, we'll just deal with this very immediate issue in front of us and then yeah. worry about whatever the knock-on is later down the line. And I, that worries me. It's worth mentioning, by the way, that another factor before you can get your HGV license is that you do need a medical. It will be curious. Uh, medical includes eyesight tests and other things to just make sure you are at least basically healthy before you go out and pilot many, many tons worth of machinery and goods on the roads, on the public roads, where there are cyclists and pedestrians and small cars and things. Mm -hmm. It will be interesting. Now, quite often doctors are sods and they, they charge you for these, but it will be interesting once they do finally decide what they're doing and declare what they're doing and declare a date for this, because no date has been announced yet. Yeah, It will be interesting to see what happens with the medical side of it. If they get rid of or change that... It's like a double whammy, that, isn't it? Yeah, that would be blatantly, ridiculously stupid thing to do. Yeah. But, so it's probably going to happen then. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not so fussed about the trailer part. I am far more fussed about the HGV part. If they made people just go on an awareness course with the trailers, because... There was Even so if many... an afternoon's worth of awareness Yeah, there was course, so many... Because like with a lot of people as well, they're not... A lot of people in life, don't generally just try and avoid doing what they should do. No. It would be a lack of awareness and, a, and and then just not trying to learn it. But if they if they just... Oh, everybody was I, I, on the roads this summer knows. There was yeah. poor skills uh, This summer's driving was, has been particularly awful. Uh, no, uh, an afternoon's awareness course, certainly for the trailers of cars, would be, would be great. As I say, I'm curious to see if my licence moves from being provisional on Arctics to being a full Arctic licence. And then, to be honest, I'd be paid so much money that this consultancy thing could just... No, actually, I much prefer my job to being a truck driver. Okay, talking of driving, though, can you take us to London? Yes, sorry, I kind of domineered that one. And then well, you one are our um, commercial vehicles correspondent, so... I am our total trucker, yes. <laughs> uh, the... You oh, said no, that, I've not me. I've given him a license. You... I know. <laughs> uh, so, moving swiftly on supposedly according to a story in autocar uh, which was the result of a freedom of information request by a chap called richard town one third of all ulez that's the ultra low emission zone fines issued in london are left unpaid according to transport for london uh, 982,145 non-compliance penalties have been issued uh, since april 2019 but 336,637 remain unpaid. If you have a non-compliant vehicle but don't pay a day charge of 1250 within 24 hours, it gets raised to £15 after 72 hours, £130 penalty charge notice, and then if you pay it that within 14 days, it becomes £65. They're saying that that's not the, what the 
that the one third isn't quite representative because that includes ongoing queries. It includes the debt recovery process. Good luck with that one. And anything like that. So if you're querying it and stuff, you're still counted in that number. So if they've got your car that should be ULES compliant or is ULES compliant, but is down as not being there and you're querying it, then you'll be counted uh, in there. The North and South Circular one that's coming is going to be another 400 cameras and 130 million pounds. That's how that's going. Be interesting to know after uh, something we haven't followed up on for many years was the congestion charge notices and the non-payment by certain governments. Uh, yes. States and France amongst them. And it would be curious to know just how many of how many this happened. I would also be interested to know how much of the queries or how many of the queries are uh, down to motorbikes because they seemingly from looking at conversations and this was this is only hearsay this is not actual research being done but uh, looking at a lot of the motorbikist nutters that I follow they were saying that there's effectively a slap down on all motorbikes and you have to go back and prove your bike is okay. Yeah, I I remember that from when So this, I bet this a lot of the yeah. discussions are hang on this motorbike is 18 months old. It can't mm. not be right. Compliant, you just haven't yeah. got the back-end systems to have dealt with motorbikes. That's mm-hmm. the impression I get with a lot. So I wonder how what percentage of that is actually motorbikes. So. Uh, by the way, they are saying that uh, the recipient of a penalty charge notice has a legal right to challenge the penalty charge notice if they believe it's been issued incorrectly. Where applicable, we may ask for further evidence to support the challenge, said Sarah Thomas of the Freedom of Information Case Management Team at TFL. To date, we have cancelled four penalty charge notices under the category exempt historic vehicle. So that'll make everybody on the London to Brighton run feel much, much better. Then. Yes. <laughs> right, I'm going to take us to Sunderland, um, mm-hmm. talking of clean. And this is the news that Sunderland City Council has started to roll out its long-term project of a mobility hub. Uh, And they want to promote sustainable travel in the area. And they are trying to lead by example. So they are going to use 10 Nissan Leafs, leaves. It never sounds right. But no. it, it should it is leafs because it's a leaf, but it's uh, rather than bits of a tree. Yeah, it always sounds odd. So they now have bought ten Nissan Leafs, which will be a staff pool vehicle that they'll use to go on council business. But they've also got twenty e-bikes as well, which I think is a great way to to try and do it. I, mm-hmm. But hopefully, with more council workers using e-bikes and the likes, that will open up the highways to understanding how they need to approach certain areas and mm. possibly implement more workable solutions that possibly try and deal with all road users as much as possible rather than just go, yeah, we're going to stop this percentage of road user, whichever one it is. <laughs> but, I, but I like what they're trying to do. They are, they are putting their money where their mouth is because they wish to be um well, they're putting this 2040. Money where their mouth is. well they said they've bought them so oh, that's true that's true but it's it's good buying because it's 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 local local produce yeah 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 makes a lot of sense so uh good luck to them on that and hopefully that's a bit of a blueprint for other councils and and if you are clicking through to the yes auto story in in the in the show notes then do keep an eye out for the groany ad level level typo uh, as well, because that <laughs> made me chuckle for a little while. It's been a long, lonely day. Okay, well, why don't you take us to Italy and go the other extreme? 
Italy, uh, people in Italy want a combustion engine ban exemption for its supercar manufacturers. So yes, so Lamborghini and Ferrari and others are and other members of the European Automobile Manufacturers Association are saying that look, we are a very small manufacturer in the big picture. We play almost no role at all. Please, can you let us keep on burning fossil fuels? Please. Yes. The president of the European Automobile Manufacturers Association, Oliver Zips, whose name you might recognize because he is the CEO of BMW Group, backs the idea. Oliver Bloom, who's the CEO of Porsche, uh, has, is saying that electric in the next decade will be unbeatable and that everybody has to contribute. Well, is this Porsche who is spending an awful lot of money on electrifying their brand saying, no, we're not stopping that now? Well, they are, but they're spending a lot of money on other things as well, which is the, ne the next story we're going to come to. But there seems to be, even amongst uh, automobile manufacturers, the the it's... it's um, but from an optics it, point of view, though. Yeah, I can't see I can't um, see the EU backing down because you no. what you're basically saying or what can it can, could be perceived is oh this plaything for the mega rich don't make us change that. Yeah. Anyway, this is all being raised by the way by Italy's minister for ecological transition Roberto Cingolani, I believe. Doing much uh, better because, than I would. Uh, I should have taken a bigger run up, uh, but he, but he's saying that the country's prime minister is talking to the EU about the ban. Uh, obviously, that's the one that's scheduled to kick in in twenty thirty five. Anyway, should we talk about Porsche? What Porsche is doing about this? We've already touched on it briefly. Yeah, not only are they uh, going going big for electric, but they are actually following up on their their claim that e fuels has a big future for. Current vehicles and vehicles up to the whatever deadline, whenever that comes in, uh, when that happens, because they have a broken ground in the uh, Chilean Patagonian area where they are building a new plant that is going to create carbon neutral e-fuels, which they will initially use in their own internal projects, so like their racing team and their own fleets. But the idea is to then create enough of this that they start selling it on to uh, Porsche customers. Please, sir, I have a question. Is the question, why is it in Chilean Patagonia? It's not hugely dissimilar to that, yes. I actually did some research. I, I did some okay. proper research because I was looking well, at this and I was going, why, why? there? <laughs> That's yeah. the other side of the world. And you have to get the fuel from there to somewhere else, probably by burning fossil fuels yes, what is quite. the answer then come on well Why apparently the wind is just right so that they can tap into wind energy really? i i smell something there that it's all right is, the wind will blow it away oh, yeah unburnt e-fuel or something <laughs> um yes that seems a bit of a stretch because there is wind in the rest of the world and in much more hmm Okay, for whatever reason, it is it is happening there, but it seems like it's going to take a lot of effort to get it to anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, you could imagine if it was using wind from the North Sea. I know that Denmark's very good at cracking hydrogen using wind. Yeah, um, for well, exactly. For similar all of Northern and... Europe is rather breezy at times. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's just consistency. Yeah, but yeah, this goodness knows. <laughs> The problem is, I don't know if they mentioned that, that's all I can think of is the quantum of solace. <laughs> <It's> just... Yeah. 
and I hope he's really not going to be that. So well, it looks like we're doing some giant James Bond thread in all of this eventually. <laughs> it, it all looks very small, but it does look a little bit sort of creepy secret basey. Uh, yeah, in, in the being in the middle of nowhere top. as well. Yeah, or oh, the pictures make it look that way. There's still. T- there's still a lot of people who reckon you cannot make carbon neutral e-fuels as well. So, but Porsche are adamant they can, and they are plowing a lot of money into this. So, I mean, if it if it can happen, and if it can be made economically, then that you know lengthens the the time that we can use internal combustion engine vehicles in the planet, and also it means a quicker transition away from anything that emits or reduces yeah. the emissions even further than the Euro 7 engine is going to do. Mm. But for, for older vehicles, that can only be a good thing. Yes. If they yeah. can make it happen, then. If they can make it happen. Well, given that uh, just the move to E10 is enough to be perfectly honest, can you imagine the outcry? <laughs> Why don't you take us to America and Ford? Well, Ford, yeah. Ford has uh, appointed former Apple car project <laughs> uh, and Tavette, allegedly former apple employee and tesla vice president of wait a minute i had it here vice president of of vehicle programs and then senior vice president of engineering doug field as its chief advanced technology and embedded systems officer now field is he's an incredibly respected engineer uh incredibly able to actually get things done and is the man behind well yes quite whilst we're muttering about built-in built-in tents and all that kind of stuff uh, this is the guy that that despite that still managed to make uh things happen still managed to get the development through uh, of these if you've read any of the any of the books on tesla then you'll realize just how influential uh doug field has been and, and was he's actually his the apple car thing you you tuck and you laugh at that he was actually vice president of the special projects group according to his own linkedin profile uh, but before that he was a vice president of product design and vice president of mac hardware engineering uh, at apple uh, and even prior to that he was at segway so lots of lots of background in product design and and making making things making things happen uh, especially in in electric vehicle applications mm-hmm. i think that's really cool that's a really good thing um i hope he gets the the space to, to gtf on with it frankly yep it's good good stuff good person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that's the end of the first part though it is and that brings us to still not written a new one guilt minute uh, that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running if you feel the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month you can become a patron different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you including being able to watch the show recorded live uh, we also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts if you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you if you've done all of that and some of you do so thanks very much then the last thing you do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues yes thank you everyone who does yes absolutely world rally acropolis rally at the weekend andrew what happened there well back for the first time in eight years 
which I doesn't forgotten. seem that long since we talked about WRC. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and the news that Rovan Pera has taken his second win of the season, and I forget he's only twenty. It, on Friday, it was a little bit tight, but then after that, he was it was just well ahead and very comfortable. Uh, Sunday morning, <laughs> he absolutely stuffed everyone on Sunday. <laughs> it was just phenomenal driving. I am increasingly impressed by Rovan Pera, and I think, I was about to say fear, but I don't fear it at all. I think we are looking at someone who's going to dominate rallying like Ogier has done mm-hmm. and Loeb did before that to the point where talking of Ogier, he came in third behind uh, Ot Tanek, who, who managed to finish a rally, which was nice uh, in second, but he was 44. Uh, uh, Tanek was 44 or 42 seconds behind mm-hmm. uh, Rovan Pera, but Ogier came in third and has now got a 44 point lead on Elvin Evans. And there's only 90 points left. There's two more, two more events. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to Finland next, and then it finishes in no, no three. They've got Finland next, Spain, and then it finishes at Monza again. Oh right, okay. Nouveau's said, "Yep, that's it. We're done, and it's over for Hyundai. They can't. They, well, mathematically, yes, but something catastrophic is going to have to happen to Toyota <laughs> for them not to win the constructors, and for Ogier not to just take his." His title again. I don't yeah. know whether he's going to want to race again next year. Who's you? We'll yeah. see. If you're at the top and you're enjoying it and you're winning, you want to just do the Lewis Hamilton thing and just keep on going. Yeah. Yeah, it must be hard to put that down after a while. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a tricky balance for awesome race drivers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't as rutty and horrible as people were expecting so uh, I, th- I thought some of the pictures i saw over the weekend it looked really really muddy but i'm scrolling through the pictures here on dirtfish.com it, it was which and is it was really good thursday okay was. so so thursday was so these are later pictures where it's there's yeah. the dust and friday was still damp but then I it just saturday morning there were saw pictures of people on the stages and it just looked like it was a beautiful summer's day to be honest there are some of the photos here are absolute again i think i say this every rally the photography is amazing yeah rally photographers are knocking it out of the park there's one on this dirt on the dirt fish story that will be linked in the show notes and it's the it, it's the yes wrc and it's at a hairpin bend and it's by janus re in the uh via the red bull content pool and it's got the mountains in the background, the dark, dark sky, but some light in the distance. It's just, it's a wonderful photo. It's just it really good. Yep. It is indeed. So uh, do click through on the show notes for that. As ever, we will have the What We Learned and also Colin Clark's uh, scores for the drivers. So do click on all those links for the Dirtfish articles, please. Cool. So, Alan, no new, new car news. Yeah, there was a lot of new, new car news last week. And there's, as a result of that, there was such a Munich-based splurge uh, that, that that there's none this week. Uh, I thought I'd talk quickly about the fact that I went to the late break show on tour number two. So how was it? Very jealous you went and I couldn't make it. It was absolutely, it was, well, it was a lovely day for starters. And I'd put on sun cream, which normally stops Ooh. it being a lovely day. I know, I know. And... It was 
it's about 20, it was just outside Market Harbour in Leicestershire, which is about 20 minutes from here. So it would have been a bit foolish of me to not go when I didn't actually for once have anything on at the weekend. And it was really, really lovely. I didn't get much of a chance to actually do the sitting, listening to people on the stage bit, <laughs> mostly because I was chatting to folk. That and I wasn't quick enough to get my chair near the front, you see. I ended up speaking to people because it felt like about a quarter of my Twitter was there. <laughs> and I actually spoke to quite a lot of people. In fact, I really spoke to quite a lot of people. So that was great. So if you were one of those people, it was lovely to catch up. It really was. It was just nice to see familiar faces. Most folk I'd already met in person. Uh, some I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And just, and the selection of vehicles. What was really cool was the selection and how varied it was. Everything from, obviously, it's Johnny Smith and his his wife and friends and everyone who, who are behind it. But just such a great eclectic mix from Johnny's own cars to a, a selection that he'd sort of put together in the middle of, of sort of new cars. Everything from Porsche 911s to to retro mods to the the new Hyundai EV6, which is pretty much the first time the public really had a chance to get up close and just climb in it, basically, just go in it. There's nobody looking. As you said at the start, please don't try and steal the indicator indicator stalks and stuff it might get hard for me to to, to ask for favors again um <laughs> but but you know they were they were there uh mercedes uh had, had brought along ex jeremy clarkson clk65 black series there was a smart there was a there was an actros there was uh, and then there were all the other cars as well which were people's people's own really mm-hmm. uh, and some of us were inside the the sort of main arena bit and 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 there was a there was an overflow because there just wasn't quite enough space but i was parked beside a wonderful audi 200 avant absolutely immaculate ex john haynes and had been in the haynes museum for a while oh. uh, it was just like the best one in the country it was absolutely immaculate and, and josh the owner was wonderful. was so enthusiastic yeah and just the story of the wheels you, you'll see lots of pictures of it because whilst some of us in the sort of dowdy saloon and estate car zone we're, we're kind of hidden away at the back because our cars aren't as cool as joe tanner's pontiac firebird 400 uh, and stuff then <laughs> then it was one of the real shining coolest coolest cars there mm-hmm. just as i pointed out it's about the only bond car in the whole area but just lots of stuff everything from short and beetles to um oh to what else i don't know i can't even think one thing that did come across was uh, seeing various things that were retweeted and stuff was how everyone kept commenting about the eclectic mix including mm. powertrains and how yeah. everyone was really friendly and chilled it was, was so it was just such a nice atmosphere that must have felt lovely because we've banged on so much and we see so much you know of the us and them that happens particularly if we talk about powertrains hmm. so to see that people because Johnny Johnny is similar to us, as mm-hmm. in we appreciate and admire and quite like the new tech, but we can also appreciate and admire and like older technology. You know, we we can appreciate it the, all. The, the biodiesel rat rod with the twin rear wheels that he had on his channel a while ago, it was there. It's so amazing. And- 
And it sounds like that they had people who had stalls. They were appropriate stalls. Um, yeah, apart from that Tim Aldland bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were. They were. So there was a guy with sort of fire stick things, which are like fire extinguisher sticks. And there was so one of Tim Aldland's ventures, which is making EV chargers, but you can have it out of. Well, the standard one is out of a, a 13, 14-inch steel wheel. Mm. Um, and all the gubbins are hidden behind, and then like it, the, it, the light shows through, and then you just, you know, like if you use a, a, a an old wheel for a hose reel or something, mm -hmm. then you can wrap the cable round and it hangs off really neatly. Uh, and you can do that with, uh, with, with it. He can do that with any wheel for you. This is the kind of standard models. Uh, and then if you've got a wheel hanging around or like a spare wheel for your particular classic car or, or, or whatever then you can then he can he can sort of make that into a charger for you which is very cool. all right there's a plug for you tim you see i told you i felt guilty about guilting you into those cakes very nice cakes but there are a few other stands like that not not many not many it really wasn't commercial and of course ian cook was there because because it was a thing and it was a cool thing therefore ian was there Yes. Well, it can't be a cool thing until Ian gets there, can it? I think well, that's, that's the law. it, basically. It is, it is absolutely the law. So that was, that was nice. And yeah, it was just so chilled out, so nice, so relaxed. Just everyone was lovely. And I can't ask for more from a, a car show, to be honest. And I, I sucked at social media. I'm really sorry. I was so busy speaking to people. I spent all day speaking to phone, catching up with phone. Apologies. It was actually that face to face <gasps> conversations. I had a sore throat. Oh, God, you had a good time. Day. I'm glad it was. Uh, it was. It was a nice, really nice event. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. So, video, uh, 50 minutes of video from it. I've waffled lots just there. Sorry, probably waffled too much. The 50 minute video will be linked in the show notes uh, as well. Uh, but it's on the Late Break Show, um, Late Break Show YouTube channel. If you want to watch it, and I'm not in it at all. I've just there pointed, you go. So there's no hello. That's, no, that's a win. That's one of the reasons to watch it, is because I'm not in it at all. <laughs> not even in the background. I seem to have avoided it quite nicely. <laughs> right, I'm going to take us to the lunchtime read. And being less controversial this week, <laughs> we're going to promote a interview with Ian Callum. Uh, and this is ties in with actually our and finally last week. I, I'm asked, are you suddenly sponsored by Hot Wheels? By the way, no, is there no, some it, reason for this which I no, don't know about? Just happens to be no, no, we're not. Uh, unfortunately, we're not sponsored by anybody just yet. No, it just happens to be that this is actually a very good, an interesting article. That amazingly, because everyone who listens to the show knows we're not very good at tying things together. Uh, it ties into last week's and finally because. As we know, there is the Hot Wheels Legend Tour coming to the UK in the middle of October. And we know that Ian Callum is part of the judging team to select a UK-based car of which Hot Wheels will make a model of. So this is an interview and talking about his career and stuff like that and how diecast models were important and are important to him. And it's, I just think it's a lovely article with some just lovely photographs as well. Not all of them are of die-cast models either. <laughs> no, almost all of them. But yes, that's cool. Excellent. Go have a read, please. Mm -hmm. List of the week this week falls to me. Yes. And I like this one. 
It is 11 cool classic soft rotors. Uh, I don't like this one because this was really hard. No, this was so easy. There's only one answer in this. So Not there's what? There's 20, there's 12, there's, there are many of them. So, Andrew, what's your choice then? I'll probably well actually there's there's two there's two amazing photos in this in this slideshow. And the first one I'm gonna pick for my my soft roader, which is the Mahari. Gosh. And the 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 grimace and the clutching of the wheel that the driver is doing whilst everyone else seems to be just cavorting about and makes me think it, they're about to all die and they're oblivious apart from well, the driver. <laughs> you say that, but it is on Rome registration plates in that picture, so anything could happen next. So it does look like classic press press photo there. Okay, so the Citroen Mahari for you. Uh, okay, because that's my... To be honest, I would have chosen Citroen Mahari as well oh, because right, okay. I, I just think it is the most else. awesome vehicle ever. And and I and I love it, and I didn't expect you to pick it because I thought you were going to pick something else. Uh, so, but anyway, there are many in there because number nine, the first picture for number nine, I wish to be the chap in the green velvet jacket with the shotgun. I yeah. wish I could the be... other thing that this is a wonderful celebration of, by the way, are really really odd press and brochure photos. Um, so yeah, no, there's some cracking stuff there. Um, the honourable mention is quite a good one as well. That's yes, one of those things you think. Hmm, I wonder if there's still any of them about. But yes, excellent one from Classic and Sports Car. There, do, do go have a click. They are almost all two wheel drive, and almost all from before the 1980s. 1980s and before yep just in case you're worried that it's going to be full of i don't know um um kia sportage or something (laughs) which isn't really much of a soft road to be honest no which leaves the end finally this week andrew i don't have no idea how you found this but good luck introducing it okay (laughs) haggerty do what i think is a series called freeze frame and what they've done is they they pick uh they pick a moment from a week but back in automotive history and what they have selected is just bonkers absolutely mad and it is the Citroen 2CV hydroplane from 1986 now what happened was a bunch of friends stroke lunatics mm-hmm at a <laughs> at a microlite club, basically bet themselves we could get a two CV to fly. <laughs> so they've used the engine, stuck a prop on it, slapped a, a wing on top of the body shell after removing glass and the roof and the just basically yeah. anything. And, and I extra. think the wheels actually. I think they're just bits of wood painted. Yeah, they are. They're not real wheels. Real yeah. wheels. Yeah. And and there is a video in this article that shows it taking off very briefly and then coming back down again in a controlled manner, not falling with style. <laughs> and then the but the opening picture is said said vehicle with the engine going, but on on floats on the water as though it's going yeah. to take off. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Nobody really knows a huge amount more, but there we go, huh? 
It's cool. By the way, if that just sounds weird. Do go have a look because it is a laugh uh, and it is chauffe souris poo. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Only the French could do that. Anyway, awesome one. Parish notes before we're done this week. Special edition came out last Friday. I spoke to David Spickett from the Car Crowd, which is a, a company, a group uh, that helps, uh, the, that's come up with a way for people to be able to invest in classic cars, even if it's only a little bit uh, in very fractional ownership. If that sounds dodgy or weird to you, please hold off go give the special edition a, a, a listen because I was a little bit on the skeptical side before we started, before I started doing some research uh, mm -hmm. into it and almost, we almost didn't do it as a result, but having done a little bit of poking around uh, and then having spoken to Dave, very clear on what it is, what it isn't do go have a listen. Uh, he's, he's very interesting. He's a proper car guy like us, yep. uh, which is, which I assume is a good thing. But from there on in, uh, but it, it, it's very interesting. There's lots of other things which might actually be useful to you if you wish to to buy a car with friends, for example. Uh, there's other yep. stuff that they do. Fingers crossed for a special edition this Friday. Depends on stuff, but uh, but we're hoping that we'll have another one out this week as well. Yes. We like putting special editions out, partly because it makes all our numbers look even better. But uh, we enjoy the special edition. Yep. Not that we don't enjoy doing this. But before I dig myself a hole, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know how long a piece of rope they need to descend and drop down the massive hole you dug for yourself just before, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Well, there might not be much reception from the bottom of the hole, but you, the best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. Uh, as ever, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And you know, when you meet me, you don't actually have to make me spell out my surname just for and giggled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, we're doing well not corpsing them. Anyway, we'll be back soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that was professional. <laughs>